Get your Bibles out and you can go ahead and get your finger in Ephesians chapter 6. And uh, you may want to go ahead and go back to the Old Testament and find Daniel chapter 10. I'm going to read from there in just a moment. If you do not have your Bible with you, you can just watch the screen overhead. And I suspect the tech guys back there will get those verses up in front of you so you can see exactly where they are. We've been talking about... Are you living in a haunted house? And you can see we constructed a makeshift prop for you, hopefully to solicit your imagination and uh, illustrate to you what goes on in a lot of folks' minds with regards to a haunted house. And we just created some headstones here, and these headstones have things on them which we believe produce death, produce difficulty, uh, produces things in our household that causes them not to thrive and to succeed and for us to live abundantly but indeed destroys us and steals from us and does whatever it can in order to hinder God's purposes in our life. And how many of you are aware this morning, and I want you to say amen so everybody can get their voices all revved up, all right? How many of you know today that God wants you to succeed? He really does. God wants you to live life abundantly. He desires good things for you. He has a great plan for your life. He has something all mapped out that is so incredibly large and fulfilling and and full of contentment that if you could only see it, It would boggle the mind. The word says exceedingly, abundantly, above and beyond all that we could ask or think. But at the same time the Lord wants to do that in us, there's an adversary, an enemy, who's doing his best to shut that down. If he can keep you first from out of making a personal commitment to Jesus Christ, if he can stop that from happening, that's where he ultimately wants to stop you. He doesn't want you to have anything to do with God or his son or the present moving of the Lord in the earth. He wants wants you to have nothing to do with that. So that's the first thing he wants to shut down. He wants to shut that down. He wants to shut down your eternal destiny where you're going to spend eternity in. Am I going to go to heaven? Will I go to hell? How do I know how to get to heaven? Can I have a confidence in this area? Well, he wants to stop that first, but let's just say you get that in order in your life. If he can't get that away from you, then what he tries to do then is he tries to make life as miserable as possible. He tries to shut down the plan of God in your life. He doesn't want you to be effective. He doesn't want you in God's plan. He wants you to be discouraged and depressed. He wants you to be defeated. He wants you to enter into things that ultimately bind you up, tie you up, and destroy you. And for a lot of homes, and we mentioned this last week, they may not be living in what we would perceive as a haunted house, but for all practical purposes, they are living in hell. Because it's just terrible. And so we just started last week by sharing with you that that before we can even talk about driving the enemy out of our lives and driving him out of our houses, we first have to clearly see the spiritual root of issues. Not everything in your life is natural. There is a dimension of life that is spiritual. And you've got to begin to see beyond just the natural. Your problem is not just with people. 
Your problem is in a spiritual dimension as well, that if you don't get a hold of that, life will never work out right. I will assure you, I know people who have more money than they can spend in multiple lifetimes, but that does not mean they're happy. That does not mean that they have found purpose. That does not mean that life is working right. I know, I know gajillionaires that go through relationships like this. And they smile and they act like they're happy, but I just don't believe that there's happiness and joy and fulfillment and contentment and all those things. I know there are people out there, they party, 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 and they look like they're so happy, but you know what? If you could, if you could somehow see them after the party, kneeling at the porcelain altar called the commode. Now, I wonder if they're happy or not. So understand what I'm saying here is that we want true, true joy and, and, and true happiness. You've got to clearly see there's a spiritual dimension to all these things. And, of course, we have an encounter weekend, and um, so many of you have gone through that where we deal with this at a personal level. But what I wanted to do on Sundays for the month of October, because it's, you know, Halloween and Everybody else is doing their Halloween thing. I just wanted to spin off that and talk about God's thing in our homes and in our houses. And I wanted to just teach a little bit maybe deeper or from a different angle than I do at Encounter. And so today's lesson I entitled Cleansing the House. Everyone say, my house needs cleaned. (laughs) Now, I'm talking at more than just a natural level. I haven't looked in Tyler's room lately. That could be true at various levels. But I'm not talking about just getting the house clean by way of vacuuming. I'm talking about we got to clean our houses out from some spiritual stuff. So if you have your Bibles, I'm going to read from Ephesians 6.12. I want you to listen to what Paul says, and then I'm going to read something that Daniel mentions. Ephesians 6.12 says this. For we, everyone say, that's me. Yeah, man. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. Now, you know what he's saying there? He's saying your problem isn't people, really. He said when you're in a tussle or you're in strife with someone, that's really not your problem. That person is not your problem. We don't wrestle with flesh and blood. When you're in an argument with your wife or with your spouse, they they really aren't the problem. I know you don't believe that, but just bear with me. If you're in a relationship and you're in a fuss, that's not the... the, He's saying, "Well, well, we wrestle not with flesh and blood... But against, and now he tells us, something spiritual, principalities against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual, everyone say spiritual, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. So Paul instantly tells us here, he says, your problem or your issues or your challenges are beyond just what you naturally see. It just isn't what your natural eyes see, but all of a sudden he says, I'm going to show you beyond the natural so you can see spiritually there's there's something in this other dimension that's happening out here. Now go back to Daniel, and Daniel writes something here that's really interesting because Daniel has an issue, and Daniel actually enters into a 21-day fast. And we're going to be talking about this at the first of the year, about a 21-day fast. But Daniel enters into this 21-day fast, and he's praying... And I know you can identify with this. Any of you ever pray a prayer and you wonder why God's taken so long? I mean, we all love the Lord, don't we? But sometimes he doesn't seem very fast. I mean, we're praying, what are you doing, God? I really would like for you to hurry up in this regard. 
And Daniel's having the same issue going on. He's seeking the Lord. He's been interceding. And all of a sudden, the angel of the Lord shows up and begins to speak to Daniel and tell him what's going on beyond his natural eyesight. In Daniel chapter 10, verse 10, it says this, Suddenly a hand touched me, which made me tremble on my knees and on the palms of my hands. See, anybody that doesn't believe that your hands won't tingle when God shows up, there you go. There's a verse right there. Verse 11, he said to me, O Daniel, man greatly beloved, understand the words that I speak to you. Stand upright, for I have now been sent to you. While he was speaking this word to me, I stood trembling. Then he said to me in verse 12, do not fear, Daniel, for from the first day that you set your heart to understand and to humble yourself before God, your words were heard. Now, that's a great verse, isn't it? Because the minute you pray, the scripture says, God heard. The minute you lifted up that intercession to the Lord, the minute that happened, the Bible says that God heard it. And it says, this angel says, and I've come to you because of your words. But then verse 13 gives us a little insight as to what's going on behind the scenes. It says, but the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me 21 days. And behold, Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me, for I had been left alone there with the kings of Persia. Now I have come to make you understand what will happen to your people in the latter days, for the vision refers to many days yet. And so he begins to say to him that you prayed, you interceded, but behind the scenes, despite the fact that God heard you instantly, that behind the scenes, there was a wrestling match going on in the spiritual realm with powers that you couldn't see with your natural eyes. You're with me. You're with me. He goes on to say, let me just drop down here to uh, verse 20. Now I'll jump up to verse 19. He said, O man greatly beloved, fear not, peace be to you. Be strong, yes, be strong. So when he spoke to me, I was strengthened and said, Lord, let my Lord speak, for you have strengthened me. Then he said, do you know why I have come to you? I, and now I must return to fight with the prince of Persia. And when I've gone forth, indeed, the prince of Greece will come. Now, we're not talking about earthly princes here. A lot of people think they're talking about earthly an earthly king or earthly royalty. That's not what he's saying. This prince is not earthly. This prince has nothing to do with, with the land of Greece or the geography of Greece or the geography of Persia. These princes stand in another realm over that territory. You're with me. So they're standing over another territory. And he says in verse 21, But I will tell you what is noted in the scripture of truth that no one upholds me against these except Michael, your prince. What he's saying here is, is that I've got help too. I've got, I've got angelic help that will come and assist. And so here's David praying and fasting, but behind the scenes, there's this wrestling match that's going on. Now, as we get into this, what, what all these passages are telling us is this, that, that there are what we would call evil spirits that are assigned to geographical areas to have influence over and to do their best to implement Satan's evil agenda. Now, now listen to me very, very closely. The enemy, Satan, is not God. Now, it's really important that you understand that. Because it's not like here's God and here's Satan and they're just dueling it out. Satan isn't even in his ballpark. There is no one like our God. 
God is God. There is, there is not even a, a force, an authority, anything that's even close to who he is. Let me just say this. Satan is a fallen angel, and that's it. A fallen angel. And, and, and so... He cannot be, the enemy cannot be everywhere at once. So uh, you hear people saying all the time, they're saying, well, I'm fighting the devil this week. Well, probably you aren't. Because truth of the matter is, he can't be everywhere at once. So what he does is, with fallen angels, because a third of them were swept out of heaven, as you'll recall, when Lucifer was cast out, a third of the angels were swept out. So these fallen angels have become underlings to the enemy himself, we would call them demonic spirits. They're fallen angels. And what happens is, is that they go about and they implement Satan's agenda on the earth. And what he has done is he's that he has set up the kingdom of darkness like a hierarchy. He has set up the kingdom of darkness in such a way that he sets these fallen angels over different areas in order to influence them with his evil agenda. He wants to influence countries with poverty. He wants to influence countries with war. He wants to influence countries with selfishness and self-centeredness. He wants to influence the country of Colombia with drugs and cocaine. He wants to influence Afghanistan with religious air and poppy, you know, which is all heroin and cocaine as well. Can you begin to see that there are nations, nations that are being influenced in order to implement Satan's evil agenda. And, and, and he has this hierarchical system that exists over all sorts of different geographical areas. And, and, just as, and just as the enemy has the ability to mess with our lives, anybody here ever felt like they've been messed with by the enemy or one of his underlings? I mean, I have. He comes messing with our life. And just as the enemy can come messing with our lives because there's an open door, an open gate in our life that allows him to come in and do these, these evil, crazy things. There's also openings over nations. There's openings over geography. There's openings over cities. There's opening over neighborhoods. There's, listen to me, there's openings over homes. Now, here's our problem. The Bible tells us that this whole earth, is under the influence of the evil one. Now the reason that is, is because when Adam and Eve fell, the Bible clearly tells us that they lost their dominion, it was given over to the enemy, and now this whole world is under the dominion of the enemy. In fact, the Bible literally calls him God, little g, not capital G, little g, the God of this world. That Satan has become literally the ruler or the influencer of our present system. So most of the time when you go out there into the world, you're going to be confronted with evil influence. Most of the time you're going to be confronted with Satan's influence. I mean, you, you, you won't get through today. Can I just share this with you? You will not get through today without meeting somebody who's probably being influenced by selfishness. It's just impossible. Everybody that has children here, you're going to be confronted with it today before the day's over. Okay? You know, not everybody's just an axe murderer. You know, we, th- we think as long as I'm not Adolf Hitler, then I must be fine. You know, I mean, I, okay, there, that's the influence. So, so understand that there is a legal right for the enemy to exercise influence in the earth. He has legally been given right to exercise influence in the earth. Now, what he does is, is that he influences that over nations, as I mentioned, regions, states, cities, neighborhoods, 
property, houses. Let me just give you an example. If I were to call out a city, I'm just going to call out a city, and, and, and just, you just begin to think, what, what is that city known for? I'm just going to call out a city, and you think with me for just a minute, what is it known for? Because some of these cities I think you'll know pretty quick. For instance, if I were to say Detroit, what would be maybe one of the major things you would think that you know about Detroit? Murder, crime. Isn't that interesting? What if I said uh, Miami? Isn't that interesting? Isn't that interesting? Now listen, I, I mean, I'm not, what if I said San Francisco? Why is, why is that? Isn't that interesting? We can just throw those kinds of things out. And there's, 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 this, there's this influence that takes place. I, I could throw out our own say, if I said Charleston, what would you say with Charleston? Religion. Religion. Yeah, everybody goes, ooh, Religion. Isn't it interesting that there are these prevailing influences that take place over cities? Can I just share this with you? If I were to drive you around the area and I were to go into certain neighborhoods, there are certain neighborhoods that are known for certain things. I could take you to the red light district. I'd have to get directions to get there, but I could get you, I could get you there. Isn't that true? There's some neighborhoods that are known for their drug dealing. Is that not true? Some neighborhoods that are known for their crime. Some neighborhoods that are known for their peacefulness. Listen, this is beyond economics. A lot of people look with their natural eyes and they say, that's just an economic issue. No, it's not. It is a spiritual issue. It's a spiritual issue. It sure is. It's deeper than that. There, there's been established in these regions what we would call a strong man and, and it's in the spiritual realm, and it exercises influence. Satan's evil influence is exercised over that particular area. Now, I want to show you in the book of Matthew, Matthew 12, 25. Matthew 12, 25. They'll probably get that on the screen quicker than I can get there. Listen to what Jesus said. This, these are the words of Jesus, not my words. It's in the red, so I know Jesus said it. He says, but Jesus, knowing their thoughts, and said to them, every kingdom divided against itself is brought to desolation. And listen to this, every city or house divided against itself will not stand. And then he goes to verse 26, if Satan casts out Satan, he is divided against himself. You got to read those things together because what he says here is that there are, there's a house and there's a city and Satan's involved in it. Now jump over now to verse 44 because what it says here, and I mentioned this a couple weeks ago, when he talks about dealing with this, here's the good news. The good news is I don't teach you this to scare you. I teach you this so we can take care of it. There's an answer to this. Jesus again says in verse 44, he says, as he's talking about how to deal with this, he says, I'll return to my house, he's actually mimicking a spirit, from which I came, and when he comes and he finds it empty, swept, and put in order. Now I read you that verse because what he's saying in that verse is, is that there is actually a way to spiritually sweep out your house. There is a way spiritually to cleanse the places that you have authority over. There is an ability for you to subdue and exercise dominion in those places that you are called and have to be. 
And that's so very important because for some of you, you love God, you're serving the Lord, and yet it seems like you're facing some chronic issues and you may not have all the answers to it. And and I just want to help you understand maybe one of the things that has gone unnoticed. Now, let's talk about how all of this happened. This attachment that takes place to houses, land, geographical areas occurs much the same way that it happens in an individual person. Whenever there's a trauma in your life, whenever there's a trauma that takes place even over a geographical area, it could be a sin, it could be a generational sin of iniquity, it could be any kind of a num- one of a number of dramas, all of these things, trauma, trauma opens up doors in our life. Is it not true? I'll just give you an example. If, if a person was abused growing up, is it not true that that abuse can open up a door in their heart and in their spirit that causes them for the rest of their life to view life, to act out life, to look at life differently, look at it wounded and hurt and dysfunctional, and they can trace it back to the fact that they were abused when maybe they were a child. And because of that abuse, in fact, I know this is true for many, many women, because they were abused, because I know one out of four women growing up get abused, I know that lots of times they come to the place where they marry or they get into relationships or they want to have relationship, and they know, they know it, and everybody knows that there's a dysfunctionality there, and it's not because they don't want it to be right, but it's because of the abuse that took place back here early in their life and they don't know what they need to do to get it right so life can go on good. That trauma opened up a door that caused the enemy to come in to manipulate and do things in your life in order that he can cause you to be dysfunctional the rest of your life. Now, psychology will maybe, maybe, and I say maybe, help you identify some of these things But identifying it is only a part of the issue. You've got to know how to close the door, sweep that out, and get yourself whole again. Now that's an individual. The same principle works over houses, land, geography, etc. When a trauma takes place, there is a door in the spirit that opens up. And it allows legal right for the enemy to swoop in and begin to exercise his evil control. And when I say evil, that doesn't mean everybody turns into the axe murderer. You know what evil is? I'll tell you what evil is. Evil is when you love your spouse, but for whatever reason, you can't get along. And that's evil. That's not right. Evil is when you love your kids. Now, you may want to shoot them, but I, I mean... It, it, That's just not right. It's when life isn't operating like it ought to operate. And this this trauma has opened up the door to that. Now, last week I played a clip, and I promised you I was going to be playing clips from that old Don Knotts movie because it's probably the only one appropriate to show in church. But I can't tell you the whole story. You'll remember, though, there's an old haunted house in town. And uh, Don Knotts, whose name in the movie is Luther Heggs, wants to, you know, Uh, wants to do a story he's going to do a story on this but he's learning about the background of this house that everybody thinks is haunted and he begins to learn the background of this house before he goes and he's going to spend the night in this old haunted house and so he hears the story as to why it's haunted for the first time so guys if you're ready you can douse the lights please watch the screen overhead 
I don't know. You try and you try and you try and what do you get? Heartaches. Now, wait a minute, Luther. You didn't do so bad. Your pictures turned out nice. You had a good murder story going there. Only trouble was nobody got killed. No, Mr. Boob, that's me. B-double-O-B, Boob. You know why you thought you saw a murder out there, Luther? Because that's a murder house. Well, they can't tear it down too soon for me, I'll tell you that. Tear it down? Who's tearing it down? Nick Simmons. But he can't do that without the bank okay in it. He doesn't have clear title to that property. The bank's got a lien on it. Well, I guess he's getting all that cleared up. Oh. So he's back in town, is he? That's what they say. Well, Mr. News, I need a three-inch item for a filler. Mr. News. I'll fill him someday. So little Nick is finally getting his way, eh? What'd you say, Mr. Kelsey? You know, Luther, I was working out there at the time of the murder. Oh, really? Yeah. I was the gardener. Is that right? Young Mrs. Simmons was a beautiful, beautiful woman. Sparkling black eyes and skin like alabaster. The old man was crazy jealous. You know, Luther, it was just 20 years ago this week. They were both found dead. This week? They say what happened was this. The two of them was in the master bedroom arguing. He was in a jealous rage. Suddenly he became violent, stabbed her right in the throat. They never did find out what with. Then he went completely loco. He ran up into the tower, blood dripping from his hands, and played that pipe organ of his. It was midnight Luther, and he sat there playing and laughing and screaming to beat the band. When the music reached its peak, he suddenly jumped up and threw himself out the window. They say the ghost of old man Simmons still climbs the tower and plays the organ at midnight. Luther! Ah! Let's have that filler! Well, me, I just don't happen to believe in ghosts, particularly. <laughs> it's a good little clip to explain how that house got haunted. Did you hear jealousy, rage, anger? Um, murder, suicide, all of these are traumas. Now, with regards to the film clip, that all is seen in just sort of a way to backdrop what they consider to be a, a, a haunting with ghosts. I've told you before, a ghost, a ghost as the world understands it is nothing more than a familiar spirit. That's what the Bible calls it, a familiar spirit. But they attach themselves, they attach themselves to property. And uh, I know what you're saying. You're probably saying, well, pastor, come on now. Come on. This is the 21st century. You got all this technology. We're in the information age. We've got all these things that are going on. That's just a movie. And you really expect me to believe all of this? Well, let me just tell you a little story how it worked in our life. Back in 1989, we were living in the Spartanburg area. We had just left our denomination because of the things of the Spirit, the Holy Spirit. And we moved to Spartanburg. And uh, 
we finally were able to arrange a rental house that we moved into. It was on a, a road, a fairly notable road in Spartanburg called Reedville Road. And so we moved into this house, and, and it, was, it was a stressful time for a lot of different reasons. I mean, so when you're, when you're fairly youthful in your marriage, and, and you're going to automatically have some stresses with regards to that. But the minute, the minute Trace and I and the children moved into that home, it instantly started strife, the likes of which we'd never faced before. Now understand, we didn't, we didn't get it. We didn't understand totally what was going on. All we knew was all of a sudden, we are in incredible incredible strife and stress and you know what you figure you figure well lord we just moved clean across the country have mercy we're trying to find jobs and and get settled and and so the first thing you do is in the natural you begin to look at all the things that are going on in your life to somehow explain what's taking place all around you and despite the fact that we got jobs and 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 while it was a difficult financial time uh, i mean finances were at least there somewhat, and, and there were some things that were beginning to fall into place, but the marriage was unusually rocky. And so we just heard a little bit about this instruction, and so we just did a little research. Came to find out that that house, before we had moved into it, was actually used, listen to me now, as a pornography studio. A pornography studio. And suddenly it dawned on the both of us that what had happened there is because of that activity. Remember, doors are open because of traumas, because of sins or iniquities. All of these things become legal opportunities for the enemy to come in because of that perverse spirit that had attached itself to the property. What happened was is that it remained. In fact, it will remain until somebody addresses it. And suddenly it just awakened us to some of the things that had taken place in that house. And so what we did, and I'll talk about this in just a moment, we broke the curse off the land, we cleansed the house, we drove that strong man out, and lo and behold, the atmosphere began to change. Now it's interesting because I hadn't thought about this till later. We were actually renting that. We didn't own the property, we were renting the property. So, so the property in and of itself was not under our authority. We didn't own it. But we were living on it, and we certainly implemented the spiritual precept in order that we could have peace on it. But I started thinking about this, honey. It wasn't until later that the man who owned the property came, came to our door, knocked on the door, and we had only lived there three months, and we'd done nothing wrong, paid our rent into, on time. We'd actually improved the property. We re-wallpapered the whole deal you know, we, we, we cleaned it all up. We made the property worth far more than it was when we got it. But yet he came three months later and basically decided that he wanted it back and, and we had to get off. And it didn't dawn on me till just recently because I didn't own it. That spirit had the opportunity to influence that man. That spirit didn't want the bears on that property. And he had recourse. Now here's the deal. My house now I own. And when I drive it off, it has to stay off because I own it. See, I'm in authority over that. This stuff happens all the time and people just don't realize it. They blow me off or think it's silliness. But it happens over houses and cities and nations. Can I just say this? Let me give you an example. Over our nation, slavery was a sin and a trauma to this nation. Are you hearing me? You're right, to this city as well. And unless that is spiritually addressed, 
It doesn't matter how much money goes out. It doesn't matter how many programs take place. I'm not saying that stuff doesn't have a place. I'm simply saying if you don't get to the root place, it'll never be right between people. Breaking treaties with Native Americans has brought trauma into this nation. These are traumas that nations face. That unless they're addressed, they'll never get through. South Carolina has traumas. Do you understand that the most notable thing our state has for its credit is we secede from everything. We've got an independent spirit. The Revolutionary War basically started here. We seceded first. We seceded first with regards to the war between the states or the Civil War, depending on what history class you took and where you were when you took it. But we've got that spirit. It's in us. Independence. Charleston has what you know as a religious spirit. We've got got churches. We're known as the holy city. How many of you know? We better put that in parentheses. These things, these things are spiritual. Sometimes they're hard to identify. Can I show something to you that's really interesting to me? It makes me feel a little better. In Acts 16, 16, I'm just going to mention this real quick. 16, Acts 16, 16, there was this slave girl that was running around following Paul. And uh, Paul was doing all kinds of signs and wonders and miracles. This little slave girl was following him all around. Now, the Bible tells us because they knew afterwards that she was possessed, the Bible says, with a spirit of divination. In other words, she was a psychic fortune teller. But she was possessed, it says, by that spirit of divination. And uh, apparently she's pretty good at it because it said that she made her masters much profit by fortune telling. But the Bible says that the girl followed Paul and us and cried out saying, These men are servants of the Most High God who proclaim to us the way of salvation. Now I'm going to stop there. And do you see right now, here is somebody who is possessed, the Bible says, by an evil spirit, the spirit of divination, but she's saying the right thing. Are you with me? What she said wasn't false, it was true. But the spirit that was, it was being derived from was not a right spirit. You can, you can be in places where you'll hear the right thing, but it's not the right spirit. Now, the interesting thing is in verse 18... It was Luke who wrote this, who said, and this she did for many days. Now what that says to me is this, that you've got this happening, someone's being influenced by this, by this spirit, and, and you aren't getting it right away. And that's our problem, really, in America, and a lot of times in the church. We don't get it as fast as we need to get it. We don't discern as quickly as we need to discern we're quick to pass off sometimes spiritual things and think, ah, you know, that's just that spiritual stuff and it's got nothing to do with that. Paul didn't get it for many days, the scripture says. But then it says, being greatly annoyed. It's amazing how once you get annoyed, you'll consider something else. Greatly annoyed. I was annoyed. I was annoyed at fighting so much. I'm sure Tracy was annoyed with me. I was annoyed with her. Some of you are annoyed at things right now. Can you say amen? You're annoyed at what goes on in your house. You're annoyed at what goes on at work. You're annoyed. You're annoyed at what takes place at school. You're annoyed. But after many days, he got it and he turned 
And he said to the spirit, he said, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. That's in the Bible. And instantly, she was set free. Set free. And that's how the enemy works. He annoys us and annoys us and annoys us. And how many of you know if you live in annoyance, it is not how life was meant to be lived. You were not meant to just live 24-7 annoyed. But it happens all the time. If we're moving out, let me give you an example. If we're moving out to John's Island, then we're going to have to, as a people, subdue and take dominion over the first 11.5 acres that are out there on John's Island. See, Now, listen to me. Before we can seize and subdue and exercise dominion over a region, you've got to exercise dominion over the first garden you get. That was Adam and Eve's problem. They They were promised the world, but they couldn't handle their garden. We think that we're going to jump up and down and get Charleston and vicinity and the Tri-County area and the state of South Carolina. Oh, yeah, yeah, we're going to call America back again. And we can't take dominion over our living room. Are you with me? So we've got to begin to take dominion over those things that we, we instantly have authority over. And I will assure you, that God will give us that and we will need to cleanse it. And here's the good news. Once it's cleansed, we can keep it cleansed. And next week I'm going to share with you how to keep the door closed. And that 11.5 acres can be our garden as we, as we begin to move into those other areas God calls us to. In fact, the Lord showed me that it will be like a staging area. You've heard me tell the story before. You know, when, when Whitfield, George Whitfield, the great preacher of the first great awakening came to Charleston he was actually thrown in jail and somebody had to bail him out and then they ran him out of Charleston so the great awakening never came to Charleston South Carolina Whitfield went out to John's Island actually established a little work out there there's a church that commemorates the place that Whitfield actually came to and and the Lord just quickened in me because I'd received words through the, through the years about reformation. I'd received words about what Whitfield could not do, I will grace you to do. And, and I've spun those words, those prophecies around in my, in my spirit and just wondered what God would do with that. And this is really what I believe is beginning to take place. I believe that we're going to pick up where Whitfield left off. I believe God's going to go to the place where Whitfield stopped. I just, this is, I don't know it to be true. I just envisioning it in my mind. I believe Whitfield camped right where we're going to be. I believe that. I, don't, I can't prove it. I don't have some map where he said, there I was at 945 Main Road. I mean, you aren't going to find that. But I believe God's going to allow us to go back to where he left off. Because we have now 200 plus years of revelation under our belt. And he's going to allow that to be in the spirit like an Air Force base that sends sorties into the region. And we're going to take back our region. And when we go and take back our region, understand... We own that 11.5. Now we're going to have to go in, do what we need to do to battle, but you're going to have to find a safe place to get back to, just like your house ought to be. You go into the world, you do what you need to do in the world, but there ought to be a safe place, should there not, that you ought to be able to get back to. And so when we finally are able to open it up and we can access that property in a safe and appropriate way, 
I realize right now there's some of you going, let's do it. I'll get the four-wheel drive out and we'll just... I understand what's happening here in the spirit. But once we can access it, we'll get in there and we'll do exactly that. You got to seize. You have to seize territory back for the purposes of God. You've got to seize your house back. You've got to seize your business back. You've got to seize your life back. You can't take anything bigger until you take what's in front of you. You can't take the peninsula until you get your address under your spiritual belt. The reason our homes are not sanctuaries is because the people of God have not seized it. The reason there's a presence of God in this sanctuary, do you understand why there's a... There's a greater presence in this sanctuary at times than there is maybe at your house is because as the people of God, we seize this because we keep each other accountable and that's why we come. But what we need to do is we need to go to our homes and begin to redeem the land. Redeem the land from the curse. Jesus died, Galatians 3.13 says, to free us from the curse. That's what we have been provided for as Christians. Now what would happen... If that were to take place in our situations and circumstances. Well, can I just suggest this? If, if you were a business owner here today, and uh, your business was under the influence of a curse or a principality, and you got revelation on the fact that that, that has been influenced and it has been contended. Now, I'm not talking, here's what people say all the time. Well, I can't do this in this city because nobody wants it or there's other people who are doing it or, you know, I just, it just isn't working. I, you know, sometimes you got to get beyond the natural, look at the spiritual. And if you'll break, you'll break the spiritual uh, demonic influence that's taking place over your business, and you were to address that in the spirit, can I just prophesy over you right now? People, you won't have to drum up business. People will come to you for business. Wouldn't that be cool? I believe some of our economic issues and our house sales issues are linked to curses. Do you know that greed is a curse? And here we are in that economy, and everybody's selling their homes, and I understand, I mean, it was, it was a roaring economy there for a few years. You move into a house, sit in it for a year. I sat in one house for 13 months, made $150,000 on it. So I understand, it was a great economy. But do you understand that if your hearts aren't right and you're not pure, and can I just say this, that I tithed on that $150,000, and I gave offerings under that because I wasn't going to let that money be a curse to me. But how much... How much house sale money wasn't tithed on? How much wasn't presented before the Lord? And so we're all making big bucks off these homes and suddenly it all shuts down. Well, it's a curse. So here you are as a Christian and you're having to function in this crazy economy and you're saying it doesn't seem fair, it doesn't seem right. I've got to move, I've got to sell my house, I don't know how to do it. It doesn't seem like it ought to be this way. Well, break the curse off that thing, and there may be 20 houses in your neighborhood for sale, but yours will get the sale. Are you with me? Because it's more than just the natural. Some houses are plagued by sickness. You ever been just into a sick house? Well, I'd break that spirit of infirmity off that thing. There could be infirmity on the land. If it's broken, you'd be amazed. It could bring health. Christians should have an edge in the earth. I believe that. I believe that as a Christian, 
person, I should have an edge in the earth. The reason being is because I have God working inside of me. Greater is he who is in me, the Bible says, than he that is in the world. In other words, because God lives inside of me, I've got this edge. I have an unlimited resource of ability beating inside of me, ready to go to work. If I just knew how that worked, I should be able to see around the corner. I should be able to have an understanding of what's taking place. But we don't do that. We live like the world and wonder why we function like them too. When if we'd surrender and say, I'm yours, we'd have actually an edge in the earth. We should know what to do when others don't know what to do. It was said of the sons of Issachar that they understood the times. They knew what to do. Because they looked beyond the natural. Now, how do you cleanse the house? I'm going to hurry up here. Get get your pencil out. Write this down. Whenever I've taught on this subject, I've always had people, they'll call me or they'll call Trace up and they'll go, come to my house, come to my house. Cleanse our house. Do it at our house. We need our house cleansed. My dear God, we must have a a thousand of them on our property, you know. And and I, I appreciate that. appreciate your confidence that you would want us to participate with you and 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 hear me i i love you trace loves you we love you but do you understand that that for us to do this it would be overwhelming for me to have to go to everyone's house this is what's more important you own it you've got authority you've got to begin to function in your authority there comes a moment that mom and dad can't always step in to keep the bully off your tail there comes a moment if, if you got a bully on your tail that you need to stand up and you may get a punch or two, but you need to take him on because you'll win if you'll just rise up and take him on. I'm telling some of you right now, you need to break off your timidity and rise up and you will win, but you got to get in the fight. So you got to exercise your authority. It is your house. It is your land. It, 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 it is your substance. It is your time to do what God has granted you to do. It is time that the people of God stood up to the enemy and practiced what we call the priesthood of all believers. What people think the priesthood of all believers is, is that we get to come to church and then we get to tell the pastor what to do. What's so funny about that is, is that as they do that, then what happens is they go out and they live in defeat. The priesthood isn't you just telling me what to do. Priesthood is getting out there and doing what God's told you to do and bring victory into your circumstances. That's priesthood. It's your jurisdiction. It's your home. It's your marriage. It's your family. I love you. I want you to succeed. I'll pray for you and intercede for you. But I am convinced there are some things you must do or it won't get right. I can't read the Bible for you. I can't pray for you. I will pray for you. But I can't pray and say they don't have to pray. I'll just pray. We'll all go be Catholic then. All right? So we've got to see our jurisdiction and step into that thing. Take authority. Five things real quick. Zip, zip, zip. Number one, you must use spiritual weapons. 2 Corinthians 10, 3 through 4, it says this. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, and we don't war according to the flesh. And they're not carnal, but they're mighty in God for the pulling down of strongholds. We need to begin to see that you, you can't do natural things to address a spiritual issue. If you don't believe this, if you walk out of here today and say, eh, you know, I I like pastor and I like going to legacy and I'm not sure about all that stuff. Well, and that's fine and we'll love you too and hope you keep coming back. But unless you see it, it'll never change. 
Unless you begin to see what's going on and what's up, it'll never change in your life. Spiritual issues take spiritual weapons, and you're going to have to be open to doing some spiritual things that won't feel to your natural senses reasonable. It won't make sense to your mind. It'll seem silly to your eyes. You won't be able to touch it, smell it, or taste it. And and you're going to have to transcend this dimension and step into another dimension and use some spiritual weapons. Number two, I'd encourage you to research or be open to revelation as to the territorial power. I've just found through the years that there were times the Lord would reveal to me the trauma or the historical wound that was the open door And he would help me identify what prevailing, influencing spirit was there. I'd have to go study that, research that. Some of you have done that for our city. You've researched Charleston. You know a little bit of the history of Charleston. And you can see the traumas as a city that that, that were faced here. and, And those traumas have to be addressed. Sometimes you get that by revelation. Sometimes you get that by study. There are all sorts of things. Because we have such a long history here in our region we need to understand that there's going to be quite a few things that we're probably going to have to address as the days go on god will reveal more but we're going to have to be open to that we're going to have to be open to seeing what it is we need to do in order to begin to seize dominion and the purposes of god that he had in mind when this city was established this city wasn't established just to exist it wasn't established just so it could be a neat little port for ships to come into i believe this city was established in the mind of god in order to be a sending station even to the world the purposes of god beat in this city but they're being thwarted and hindered and stopped because somebody's got to rise up and begin to cleanse it and shut some doors in the spirit number three A prophetic act of cleansing. What do I mean by that? I mean that there will be moments that the Lord will lead you to do certain things in order to cleanse or prophetically cleanse what it is you're in the middle of. Example, just obviously. I mean, this is an obvious example. Prayer. You may need to go home and pray. Now, that's pretty obvious, wouldn't it? You may need to bind, you may need to loose, you may need to apply the blood of Jesus Christ. Through the years, I've done all sorts of things that look crazy to the natural eye. Anoint, getting, getting anointing oil. If you say, I don't have any anointing oil, then get your Crisco out. Get your olive oil out if you're healthier. The Holy Spirit will probably appreciate that. Get a little oil. I've watched people, you you, you chuckle, I've watched guys, they didn't have any oil, so they went out in the garage and got a little, you know, 10W40. It's a prophetic act. Anoint the doorways. Put scripture on the wall. Stick them under the carpet. We're going to do some things on the land, but when that church is being built, guys, we're going to get in that thing, and there's going to be scripture on the walls and on the floor, and there are some things that you need to do to establish the house. Because that's got to be a safe zone. That's got to be a a no-devil zone. The Jews would actually, they would bind, they would actually take scriptures, they would take their Torah, and they would actually actually connect it to to the walls and to the doorposts of their homes. So doing this isn't unprecedented. 
but you're going to have to be sensitive. The Lord, I, I, I've, I've watched people before, they've walked their property lines and pouring oil. I've, I, mean, I mean, you say, that doesn't make sense. It looks silly. Well, maybe it looks silly to you, but I tell you, if it keeps the devil off your property, come pour oil on mine. I mean, I'm just telling you. I mean, I mean, I mean how, how has what you've been doing working? I've watched people before, I don't believe that stuff. Yeah, well, I don't want your life either. Because what you're doing up to this point doesn't demonstrate you got a hold of just about anything. You may think I'm silly, but what you're doing isn't working either. I have to let that go. All right. Number four, prophesy to the land. What that means is you've got to begin to declare the promise of God in and over your home. Declare the word of the Lord in the house. Everyone say with me. Please say this. Say, I must learn to speak God's word. Now, I know when Noah came up here, that was so funny because we, we chuckled. We chuckled the last few days about Dr. Cho doing this. And, and, and understand, this is such an endearing thing. I'm not, I'm not in any way making fun. But he's just, he's a 72-year-old Korean man. And he's got his, you know, the Korean eyes and his, and his English is pretty good, but, it, but it's not like our English. And it was just, it was so funny just to watch him go, I say every day, I am happy man. I, I am full of joy. I am prosperous. I am, and it just, it was just, it was cute. It was, it was funny. But the fact of the matter is it's powerful. It's powerful. You've got to start, you've got to open up your mouth and fill your mouth up with the word of the Lord. Deuteronomy 28 is, is a great passage, those first about 12, 13 verses there in Deuteronomy 28, where it says, I am the head and not the tail. I'm above and not beneath. I will lend and not borrow. I am blessed coming in and I am blessed going out. If the enemy comes against me one way, he will scatter in seven ways. My baskets are blessed. My barns are blessed. My homes are blessed. I am blessed. There is peace in this house. There is joy in this house. Hear me, hear me, hear me, hear me. You can't just think it. You must say it. You got to get it in your mouth. Your words are spiritual substance. And if you'll prophesy, I prophesy, this, this house will be blessed. I prophesy there will be peace. I prophesy resource will come to this place. I prophesy I'll make every house payment and even more in Jesus' name. you got to start prophesying, man. Speaking into the house. Speak to the land. Declare righteousness. This will be a righteous place. This will be a joyful place. Dr. Cho, he said, he said one time he was sick, and he goes, every time he's sick, he'll sit there and go, by his stripes, I am healed, number one. By his stripes, I am healed, number two. By his stripes, I am healed, number three. And he'll do that for a thousand times. We would do it three times and go, in our mind, we'll go, it ain't going to work. This isn't going to work. This isn't going to happen. This is stupid. This is silly. I look silly. And you know what? Then do it your way. But if I believe this to be true, then it's going to work. And then number five, and we're going to pick it up next week. We've got to keep the door to the land closed. We're going to elaborate way more on closing doors next week. Doesn't make sense, does it? If you, if you had a stray dog in your house, and you finally ran that dog out, and you got him out of the house, does it make sense to you to sit there and leave the front door wide open? So that old mutt can just make his way back in. See, our problem is we, 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 we start to kick things out and then we leave the doors open and it comes right back in. And the Bible says sometimes he brings seven of his mutt friends with him. 
we got to learn how to close some doors. I'm going to give you, I'm going to give you just a quick example and I'm done. In our neighborhood, in fact, uh, I'm going to tell a story, Svetlana and, and, and Eeyore, I'm going to tell a story about our neighborhood. And right next door to Svetlana and Eeyore, we have some nice neighbors. They're nice people. They're, they're, they're pretty, they seem to be pretty good neighbors, likable folk. Don't know a lot about them. I, I, know, I know they're from another culture. And it wasn't long after they had moved in that they had, they had put at the end of their driveway these I don't know what they were. I don't, they, they were like these lions with a necklace on. And they had lipstick. <laughs> lions with lipstick. And it painted gold, and they were sitting there. They had one on each side of the driveway. Now, you've got to understand, our driveways aren't very long. I mean, this, this is not like I live in this rocking neighborhood. I mean, I live in a nice neighborhood. But, I mean, in this, and their driveway was way shorter than mine, so it kind of looked out of place because you had this lion that's about yay tall and about this wide. And on both sides of their driveway, and it was gold and it had some green and the red lipstick. And, 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 and it just, every time I drove by it, I just, my spirit went, mm. oh. It just, and we would joke, we really would joke, we'd joke, gosh, is there some way we could get rid of that? I mean, you, just, you know, you can't do that. I know Svetlana was doing this too. But we, every time we would drive by and I'd come around that corner and I'd see those lions at the end of the driveway, I'd just go, and, I'd, and finally, sometimes we were together, I'd say, in the name of Jesus, I just, I, I, I curse the spirit that's behind that thing in Jesus' name. Dry up. We just break that off this, this neighborhood in the name of Jesus, because I mean, it was right there, just everybody, you know, the lion with lipstick to the world. And I don't know how long, we, it, it had to have been at least three, four months, maybe longer. I don't, I, I don't know how long it was, but we finally went on vacation and uh, went away for about a week. And when we came back, drove into the neighborhood, and the lions weren't there. Asked Vitlana, she's, just, she's our across-the-street neighbor. So what happened? And she said, somebody stole them. An angel got him. I believe an angel of the Lord got those lions with lipstick. I don't know where he took them. But it got out of our neighborhood. If any two agree on earth as touching it in heaven, it shall be done. Let me tell you something. There's some things going on in your neighborhood you really could take care of. And you wouldn't have to go to the homeowner's meeting and get in a fuss with flesh and blood. Because that's not where your battle is. Your, your, your battle is with powers and principalities and spiritual wickedness in high places. They were cast out. In fact, I, is that true? Didn't Svetlana say they hung a picture of Jesus in their house? Is that true they hung a picture of Jesus? They bought it for a friend. Bought a picture for Jesus. Well, that's better than lions with lipstick. Praise God. Amen. Yeah, yeah, they, they are of another, another religion. Let me tell you, this works, man. We used to go by, let me, let me tell you this, in Spartanburg, there was, a, there was a road we would go down, and there was a nasty old filthy, filthy, one of those, you know, one of those, they call, you know, it's interesting, they call those places gentlemen's bar, and I don't believe there's one gentleman in the place. I don't. I don't think a gentleman would show up in a place like that. But there was, and, 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 and 
it was, it was a filthy, nasty place, and I'll never forget. I'd be with uh, some of the other pastors or something, and we'd drive by that place. Now, the, you know, you, I guess you, there, there's a place where I suppose picketing and things like that. I'm not saying I would never do something like that, but we just would go by day after day after day, and I'd simply say, I, I curse the works of darkness in the name of Jesus. I, I declare it shall dry up and it shall not prosper. And, and it was interesting because it would switch out all the time. It would switch out all the time until finally that place has shut down. We shut it down in Spartanburg. Didn't have to get a picket sign, one out, and it shut down. How many of you know that old nasty place down, right down here on Ashley River Road? Right there by the post office. You remember that? That old raunchy, yeah, just a cruddy old place. And let me tell you, there was, there was a, bless his name, an African-American uh, uh, older gentleman that just faithfully, faithfully would stand on that corner and and, and he would bring awareness as to what was going on. And, and every time I'd go by, I'd, just, I'd speak to that thing. I know other people were too. I wasn't the only one praying. And, and have you ever noticed? It's out of there, and now there's, we need another, as if we need another kangaroo gas station. But nonetheless, do you understand what I'm saying? Guys, we can alter this region. There's enough authority in this room that together we can alter this whole city spiritually. We can alter the islands. We can alter three counties. We can alter this state and alter this nation if we will do more than just look at the natural. We want to go vote and believe that God's will will come. Voting will not bring God's will. It's when we hit our knees and we seize authority and we clean our houses out in the name of Jesus. And God will do it. I'm a tad bit exercised here. so I'm just... Hallelujah. Stand with me, will you please? Thank you, Lord. Now, let me just pray for just a moment before we do anything else. Holy Spirit, we acknowledge you in this place we acknowledge your ability to guide us into all truth to teach us all things to reveal what needs to be done and what is yet to come hey as i'm praying do we have musicians lord can we pull this off why don't you bring singers and musicians this way for just a minute holy spirit we honor you and i pray right now that you would release into this place now a special measure of your presence. Lord, we already heard mentioned you're here, but we want you to manifest yourself through anointing and through glory. Lord, I ask you in the name of Jesus to release an anointing upon your people to break yokes of oppression upon their families, their marriages, their households, Listen, I'm talking to young people right now. I understand you can't, you can't necessarily change the whole spiritual dimension of a school, but you can change the dimension of your locker area. You can change it. You, if, if you're in college, you could change it in your dorm area. I, I mean, you've got to start with your garden. Some of your gardens are your homes, your apartments. Some of your places of business, you can seize it. You may not be able to change the whole economic climate of Charleston, but you can begin to change it on your little corner. And when we begin to be faithful in that, God will give us more. He will grant us greater authority. But you've got to start. You've got to start where you're at. 
We can't kick the devil out of our region until we go seize together 11.5 acres. I'm convinced of that. That's our garden. But God has given it to us and we shall take it. But before we can even go there and take it as a group, I want you to begin to take your homes back. I want you to clean out your houses. Clean out the closets. Come on, let's clean it out. Amen? Let's, let's seize peace. Let's seize joy. Let's seize hope back into our midst. And we need an anointing for that. So this is what I'm going to ask you to do right now. Hallelujah. I'll tell you what I want to do right now. I want, I want, I want to pray. I want the guys. I want guys. I, I, you're a man of God, Wally. Just, you'll come, I'll let you sing in just a minute. You can just come on down here and you lead the way. God bless you. Wally's a good man. I want to pray for the guys right now. I want guys to have an anointing. I'm believing, I'm believing for men to grab an anointing. I want some of the men to come. And I'm going to pray for you right now that, men, you'll get an anointing. An anointing on your life to seize back the territory God has granted to you. He's, he's seizing back your homes and he's seizing back your businesses and your careers and your jobs. And I want to pray for the men. We're going to pray for, we're going to pray for a lot of people, but particularly the men before I go here right now. Come on, guys. If the young men, the young men can come too if they want to. I just want guys down here. Would you do it? I appreciate that. I know this is, I'm stretching some of your boundaries right now. But God's going to do something incredible for you right now. Just stretch out. Those of you on the second line, can I just get you to stretch out and go from wall to wall and just stretch out a little bit here. Pastor just wants to pray for you. I want you to get an anointing on your life to succeed. Can, can I ask the guy, I don't know of a guy here. Is, are there any guys here? I want you to raise your hand. Are there any guys here that don't want to succeed? You, you're really into failure. I mean, if you're really into failure, we'll work with you even a little bit more. You, you want life to be good. You'd like to prosper. You'd like to provide. You'd like a little peace. I mean, I can't imagine a guy that wouldn't want this. Come on, ladies, you've got to pray for these men. Some of you have tried to work with these guys like they're flesh and blood. I'm just telling you. Now, I'm not saying some of them don't need zip from time to time. But I'm telling you, your problem isn't always these guys. Sometimes it's just they're in the middle of a battle. And you've got to begin to pray. You've got to begin to pray. Amen? Amen. Ladies, lift up your hands and just stretch it toward these guys because we're going we're gonna to speak in authority back to the men. Father, I thank you for these men. Lord, I'm praying for a new anointing upon their life. A new anointing, something fresh to come Something fresh to come to you. Something new. You walked under authority and you've had anointing, but I'm declaring freshness and newness to you in the name of Jesus. Something new that you've never had before. Some things that have been lost that you need an authority and an anointing to come back. It's the only way that it will break and mend, and I'm declaring it's coming back. It's coming back to the young men in the name of Jesus. That they're going to learn these things early. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. I thank you, Lord, that you're doing things in households right now. In Jesus' name. For these young men, you're enlarging them and expanding them. You're giving a generation an ability, Lord, to go farther and do more in Jesus' name. You're going to restore the years, the years, the years that the locusts have eaten away. He's doing it right now. He's giving you authority in a new realm, in a new area. I'm, I'm looking at you right now and saying God's going to grant your borders to expand and your abilities to increase and people that have not paid attention to you and some of the dreams and things that have been in your heart, that needs to change. It's not going to happen any other way than you as a man of God seizing authority in that area. Amen. 
Amen. God's granting you an authority as a young man. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. He's giving you an anointing to break every yoke. Every yoke. There can't be anything that stands in front of you, man. There's a generation. A generation that God's giving you. And He's giving you an anointing right now to seize that generation in the name of Jesus. Seizing. Seizing a generation right now in Jesus' name. Expanding your shoulders. He's doing it right now in the name of Jesus. He's calling you out of safety and comfortability. Even in this city. Into a place where you will be a man with authority. He's doing that right now in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. You're being enlarged right now in the name of Jesus. Right now. Right now. In, in those halls where you work. It is time that there was an anointing that came that seized the atmosphere in the name of Jesus. Right now. As you go from place to place. From area to area. The Lord says that you're going to begin to, to, to inseminate like a bee goes from a, a flower to a flower in order to inseminate. God says that you're going to inseminate His presence. And, and He's going to give you more and new dominion. There's an anointing that's coming right now. Right now. You have been held back from the places that you need to go. You have been restricted in the prosperity that God wants to release to your household. And there has to be a seizing. Seizing not only of the home area, but a seizing of what's going to happen even in the workplace. In Jesus' name. What the thief has stolen, we declare him caught in the name of Jesus. And he must restore sevenfold. Do not let him take authority over any automobile, any household. He has no right in those places in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In Jesus' name, there's going to be new authority and credibility that's coming to you in the name of Jesus. As things begin to move into alignment. Thank you Lord right now. Right now it's happening. Renewed anointing. That's coming right now in Jesus name. Anointing to break every yoke and burden. Over your life. But now it will begin to be. Exercised in greater measure. In greater measure. God's giving you a garden back again. He's giving you a garden back again. Rise up, oh man of God. You can, you can if you want to. You can step in in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, thank you, Lord, that there is expanded influence, an anointing that's breaking the yoke. It's breaking the yoke right now. Lord, you're going to give them authority over the enemy, over scorpions and serpents and devils. And there will be no spirit that will be able to stand uh, uh, against these men in the name of Jesus I declare these men to be mighty men in the name of Jesus mighty men of valor doing great exploits Lord not only tending to their gardens and their, their businesses and their homes but Lord you're going to give them influence in this community and in this region and in this area I declare an exporting that's going to begin to take place in the name of Jesus in the name of Jesus an anointing in the name of Jesus Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I want all the men. I want all the men to say, I receive. Say it again. Say, I receive a fresh anointing of God to arise and exercise my God-given authority. I'm taking back what the enemy has stolen. I'm taking back what he has influenced. I refuse to turn around. I refuse to give up. I will stand 
and I will win because God is with me in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Upon you in Jesus' name. Upon you in the name of Jesus, Alex. Robert, upon you in the name of Jesus. In Jesus' name. New authority and anointing to come. New authority and anointing to come in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Come on, lift your hands, will you? Come on, let's begin to cry out. Let's cry out for a fresh touch. Come on, we want to go back this afternoon to our homes, to our dorm rooms, to our apartments. We want to go back and we need an anointing that will produce a boldness and an authority on our life that when we walk in those doors we're not going to be depressed we're not going to be discouraged we're not going to shrink back but we're going to say it starts here this is where it starts this is my launching pad for greater works than these Come on, put your hands up right now. Begin to seek God in this place right now.
right now. All right, ladies. You just got if you're, if you're ready to come under an anointing, it is time we put things in order. It is time we rose up and took authority in the spirit realm over what we've been given to exercise authority over. If you're interested in getting in that, you got to step out and say, I want it. I want it. If that's you right now, ladies, I know you're left. If you want it, you just come on. Come on. you got to step out and say, I'm heading, I'm heading to the well. I want it. And guys, you're welcome to slip back if you want. If you want to stay, you're welcome to stay. But I want it. 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 I want this. I am ready. I am ready to get my house clean. Listen to me. Some of you ladies are real particular about how you clean your house. Come on, I know, I know some of you ladies, you are real particular over how you clean your house. And you're to be commended. God put that natural thing inside of you. But I'm just telling you, he's going to take this to another level. You may get all the dishes out of the sink and you may get the carpets vacuumed. And the bathroom's all tidied up and all of it looks great, ready for presentation. But I'm telling you, unless you get that, the spiritual swept, it'll never be right. It'll be pretty, but it'll be bound. It'll be clean on the outside, but it'll be messed up on the inside. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on, ladies, lift your hands. Guys, if you're still there, you can, you can pray for them right now. In the name of Jesus, Lord, let an anointing begin to come. 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 Come on, say right now, I want that. I want that. Ladies, come on, God's sending something fresh to you right now. Broken for you and me. Fresh. Fresh. I want that. I want that. As soon as I touch, listen, Tracy's coming down through here, and I'm going to come down through here. And, and that moment, the moment one of our hands touches you at that moment, you got to just see something explode in you. Let something begin to explode in you that says that every, every gene, every cell in you is exploding with new authority. It's exploding with new anointing. In the name of Jesus going to happen right now in Jesus name in Jesus name Jesus name I need Tyler I need Noah come help me here for a minute in the name of Jesus Lord let it begin to explode in these women let it begin to explode right now in the name of Jesus in the name of Jesus Lord let it begin to explode right now in them in Jesus name explode in them in Jesus in Jesus name in Jesus name we release new anointing, in, new anointing in the name of Jesus. New anointing in you in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, we just release new authority and anointing right now in the name of Jesus. New anointing in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. There is really a new a new freshness that, that's beginning to be released upon your life right now. There's a freshness that's beginning to just pull off of you right now. Some weights and some burdens. It's, it's, just being, it's just being pulled off of you right now in the name of Jesus. And it has caused you 
it has caused you to, to it, spiritually speaking, to not have the dimension of authority. But God says, daughter, I am pulling that off of you even now. 